Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 44 of the Coffee Club Pod. We're getting it in this week a little bit delayed. We thought, well, I don't think we ever thought we were going to miss a week because we've been going strong with that. But uh, obviously, this week, World Champs, we're all in Eugene. A lot of craziness happening. So we have to delay it a couple of days, but we're back here in Boulder, or at least Ollie and I are. Now, George still in Eugene. So he's not going to be on this one, but we'll get him on. He'll be back here next week, obviously, to catch up and all that. But so for this one, we're kind of going to be focusing, obviously, on Ollie's experience at Eugene, the good, the bad, the ugly, etc. We'll get into that. My mother is around. She really wants to be on the podcast, so she'll be here as well. Uh, so we'll get the boring stuff out of the way first, which is me. So a <laughs> little Morgan update. So I was, I think I was meant to race last week, and then I had a hamstring thing. So pretty much I'm just getting my body right. Uh, hamstring thing, then I had a foot thing. Pretty same old, same old, but... Now, I'm actually doing good now. I think I'll be back racing next week. So we'll talk about it in the next episode. But things are looking good. Did a workout with the boys this morning. Looks pretty good to me. Yeah, I felt all right. Yeah. So that was good. But now that's out of the way. Eugene World Champs. It's, uh, I mean, it's everything's been leading up to it, obviously. It was, I would say in many ways it probably li- like lived up to the hype. I guess we have a different perspective on it, not being just a pure fan or anything like that. What I can say is by the time we left Eugene, I was sick of track and field, wanted to be the heck out of there because it's a very, it just takes a lot out of you, I think, especially when you're so close to it. And I mean, it was amazing, I think, when I was there, experienced it all. But yeah, it's uh, these 10-day World Champs meets, there's still a few days left of it. Man, it it catches up to you. But yeah, so Ollie, I don't know, where do you want to start with... uh, your the saga of Ollie Hall. <laughs> yeah, no, well, uh, my first World Championships, um, so it was pretty pretty exciting. Uh, even to have it in the US was uh, was pretty awesome too, because it kind of feels like a home uh, Let me tell you, home field home field thing uh, for me. And uh, um, yeah, like I guess we're going through like kind of the whole situation with Worlds was. I felt like it was too stretched out. Um, I think it, if it was more condensed, it'd be much more exciting. Like even like watching it now after getting back, uh, watching the five Ks, it's just so spread out. Like it's like a half an hour between races. Like it's just a lot of spread out time where you just kind of lose focus. But my experience was uh, interesting. Um, I went in with a lot of expectations. I'd been running so well. Uh, training had been amazing. Like preparation credit to Dathan and the team for getting me to the point where I thought um, I was in a real contention not just to medal but to, to come out come out with a win but it was obviously my first world champs and you have to not skip uh, rounds you got to get through each round and uh, for me yeah I, I went through the first round I felt very very comfortable pretty confident uh, I won that heat which was like I think the first time I've won like a championship round Really? Uh, yeah. I guess you haven't raced that many. No, because Olympics was the only other one that I've yeah. done. Um, and then going to the semifinal was pretty stacked. And Yeah, I'll, I'll set the scene on that. It was, I think everyone knows that they were super stacked. And we, we got the heats or the semis the day before it or whatever. Um, after Ollie ran the heats, they were on back-to-back days. And Ollie was in heat one. And you just look at the list and it was it was crazy good. 
And obviously at the time, I think you look at it and you're like, yeah, like, Oli, like, your heat is really good, but you're not going to make a big deal out of it because you, you don't want to. And especially when you had the mindset that I think you had, which is, well, if I'm good enough to medal, then I'm good enough to make it through my heat yep. no matter how hot it is. Definitely. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. how I felt. But then after, it's like, yeah, shit, bro. Like, your heat was really fucking hot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and, and, like, that's just the way it goes. It was pretty top-heavy in the women's as semi-final for 1500 too. Like, and that's just the way it goes. Like, it's not... Sometimes you have the luck of the draw. It's the same with the, the dreaded first heat of the 5K, which we'll get into a bit later. But, um, yeah, like, you had the three Tokyo medalists. You had the world indoor champ. Um, you got you to compete with those guys, and they know how to race. And I didn't tactically race that race very well i kept moving around expending too much energy um worrying about other people and, and just wasting uh, yeah like a lot of energy just through that race and then the last um i think 150 i got myself in a position that i wanted to be in the entire race and by then it was just i had no legs and i really just did not finish the race i wanted to and i didn't qualify uh for the final and that was really tough um because it was 100 percent on me uh, as an athlete and as a racer, like my support team of like the OEC, uh, Jason, um, everyone that was there had been fantastic to lead up. Like I was in the best, best hands possible. I just didn't deliver on, on the day. And like, when you take that personally, um, it's quite hard and embarrassing <laughs> when you're walking through and you see all these people and they, they give you, you know, the same thing in, of like, oh, I'm sorry that you didn't make it through. And then the same response of, me you know kind of explaining what happened and after doing it like 500 times yeah well, i told oh this is gonna be the last time and then after this <laughs> after this i would have liked to get this podcast done earlier because you just want to move on yeah and and, and that's <laughs> like that was the thing for me it was very hard to move on and it was tough because i had such high ambition and in, in this just leading up to this world champs and i felt overly confident and that might have led me to struggle a little bit afterwards uh, with just the realization that I wasn't good enough to make the final and I didn't race the semi-final as well as I did and there's like the only there's no excuses it's just I had a bad race and I didn't tactically perform well but you got to take what you can out of it and that's the plan for me is to turn the page and, and learn from that mistake and hopefully uh, you know I, I find myself learning and developing that I don't put myself in a position to make silly errors tactically um, but it was, yeah, I had a great support system. It was very tough the next few days after because I had fans and on uh, employees coming up to me saying, are you excited for the final? Thinking yeah, that, that I actually was, made that it. that was the worst when I was with you and people would, would say that to you, either just not realizing or people... <laughs> they they just don't know. A couple of people thought you were Stuart McSween, yeah, I think. And, uh, geez, yeah, and that was a bit of embarrassing for them when I had to say, like, no, I didn't make it. Like, yeah, it was very weird. clear I didn't make it. Like, I finished 10th in the semi. It wasn't, like, close at all. So... That was kind of hard to swallow, but I mean, yeah, I had a great support system. Um, so it was, it was, yeah, it was well, just learning from it. What did we do? We probably, how many episodes of The Office did we watch? Oh, like 40,000. Yeah, yeah. We watched a lot of Office. We just hung out, didn't go to the track too much because yeah, after getting, after getting those types of, yeah, just having the same conversations and all that stuff. It's just, I think once you're. I mean, when you put so much into it mentally and then it doesn't go that way, it's like you yeah. just want to be able to move on. And it was very hard watching that final because that was like the final that I would love to be in because it was raced the way I thought it was going to be raced. And uh, big shout out to Jake Whiteman because the guy, particularly after Oslo, he was like 
just an amazing bloke. Really nice, really genuine. And obviously, like, when somebody wins a world championship like that, you're all of a sudden, everyone's Jake Whiteman fans. But um, Couldn't be happier for him. Yeah, he's a great bloke. And he's been so, like, just a nice person to have around and a good person to have in, around in that environment. He's just really positive and a uh, great person. So for him to get that win and, and commit like that and have the race tactically go that way is just awesome. So super happy for him. Um, and yeah, but it's, it's hard to watch and hopefully that, that fire is in me and I can uh, can go into Com Games, which is like a week away at least. Yeah, you so leave pretty soon. Another global championship, which is another like a very unique opportunity and that for me is hopefully where I can focus on my mistakes and try and implement them earlier on. Um, but I actually have a question for you, Morgan, because you watched my race. I did. Um, what was your analysis on it? Because like you probably yeah. thought... Like, yeah, you probably I because interesting because you've you've seen my progression and what do you think that I should do better leading into uh <laughs> now I think I think you have you have a lot of tools in your toolbox I guess you would say <laughs> Ollie's two toolbox Ollie's toolbox is pretty full of tools but I think probably if there was any area where you were more vulnerable it's obviously going to be a slower race because that just lets so much more people into it and so much more chance and when you're in such a stacked heat and it's a slow race and everyone it's a big pack of people it's gonna be hard so once Jakob slowed it down I was like all right that's not ideal but also I still wasn't worried at all because I'm like oh he can handle this for sure he can do it but I, I was getting a little bit worried when I could tell that you really wanted to be on the outside shoulder of whoever was leading and there was a couple moments where because it was slow, people would come around. People were trying to have the best position because that's the spot that everyone wants, really. Yeah. That's probably the ideal spot, unless you're someone who's pretty confident leading, which, I mean, you are that as well, but I think in this race, you felt most comfortable trying to be on the outside shoulder of whoever was leading, which was Jakob for most of it. I think maybe some other guys for a bit of it, but mostly Jakob, great spot. But yeah, so there was, the issue was that there was competition for that spot, like Charles came around at one point, and you kind of get funneled to the back, and then you have to put in a bit of a move to get back to the spot. And I think you did that maybe at least once, maybe twice throughout the race, like getting back to that spot. And that was making me nervous because then I'm looking at who's sitting in the pack behind you. And you have, you know, Josh Kerr, Mario, well, just everyone that was in it were just sitting. And they weren't moving at all. They were just running a pretty consistent pace and a pace that was obviously pretty comfortable for them. Yeah. So then, like, when you get to the last lap, like, you were in a great spot with, you know, 200 to go or whatever. But then you just see how many bodies are lining up behind you for that final kick down the 100. And that's when it's like, oh, like this this isn't going to be like super simple run away with it. And then, yeah, you could just see the guys behind you just hadn't expended the same energy. And then the the kick in the last 100 was very, it was very aggressive, like sudden change of pace. And that was when it was like, shit. So, yeah. And, like, obviously the guys behind you were amazing. Even someone like our new teammate, Mario. I mean, yeah, fourth. You know, fourth and fourth, running through like, 330.2 as yeah. a collegiate. It's yeah. pretty impressive. So, so yeah, like, pretty we, cool to have him yeah, that's <laughs> on gonna the be team. So, so shout cool. out to Mario. It was amazing. Definitely shout out to him. He is a hashtag heavy hitter. Hashtag heavy hitter. He did, he did ask me about that. He is for sure. But, yeah, I just interpret it like just I – don't, I don't know if you would say you're overconfident in a way i think i think you're very confident in your strength as you should be but i think it's almost a rule that in a 1500 you can only make so many moves and that's like what's going to use up a lot of energy like you want to just keep it to like one move ideally if you can 
And so that's kind of what made me nervous. But then looking back on it, I think that's probably the lesson that you're going to take away is that, I mean, I know after you're kicking yourself because you're like, man, I would have been fine if I had just either sat back or gone to the front, like picked one of those two. And like if you'd, if you'd run that from the front, like you know you could have done it. And that probably would have been, uh, you know, using less energy and it would have worked out well. It's even like if you watch the way Josh Kerr ran it, even with 100 to go, you were like, man, Josh Kerr is really far back. But then you just realized like he, he had just chilled the whole yeah. time. So he, he was he was less nervous. I mean, maybe he was nervous at the time, but like watching it, I was nervous. I was like, what's he going to do? But then he just storms through and gets it done. So I think, yeah, I think you have a lot of experiences, but this is just another experience which is maybe slightly different to some of your other ones. Um, especially now that you're so good and you have a target on your back. I think after the, I think honestly, from Jakob's perspective, I think he was probably looking at you as the biggest threat. So you had a bit of a target on your back and I think that changes the way that you race a bit and all that. So I think it's just another slight learning lesson now that you've kind of reached this level. Yeah. And I don't think you'll probably make that mistake again. (laughs) Well, that's the plan. I mean, like you gotta, you gotta put it into fruition, but it's been nice to be able to, it's just it sucked, but it's been nice to be able to like reassess where you are, and you know things happen for a reason. I believe in this sport, so you can either really repress it and not think about it, or try and just take it in and say like, I never want to feel like that that again. I want to make sure that if I that I run the race as best I possibly can, and if I don't make it off the best possible race I can make run, then you should be content with that. And I just you know I know I I stuffed up, but anyway, let's close that chapter yeah um but yeah like that was my world champs experience and i definitely didn't like particularly with the amount of running and racing i've done against so many incredible athletes in this event i I keep forgetting that's my first world champs yeah it Um, is that's my only second time running or third time sorry world indoors uh wearing the u.s um uniform and it's an (laughs) the the u.s uniform at the u.s the australian (laughs) uniform sorry i apologize it's a great privilege to wear my green and gold and and i've been wanting to do it since i was little and I um, I definitely had some time to meditate on it and to think about it, and it's been great having you, Morgan, and George and Joe, um, guys that like I've been able to be around for the past two years to really uh, put it into perspective. But um, that was my world champs, and I'll definitely uh, learn from it a lot. Um, but before we uh, get your mum out here and and get her uh, to roast you on the pod, yeah, we talked a lot about. Haywood and how this was going to pull off like how was it going to go like how was world champs going to be run what you were there and I was there we kind of saw it happen what what would what's your takeaways from it like I think it was pretty amazing and to be fair it's not like I went to a ton of it but I think it was pretty amazing I think yeah a lot of people saved up to go like we were like we were saying like this is probably what people were doing earlier in the year I think a lot of people saved up to go out to the world champs and I think yeah, as I said earlier, I do think it's annoying that these track events are still not run in a way that's the most viewer-friendly. There's yeah. just so much dead time. and Because you, you compare it to, say, NCAAs, where within a, I don't know, two-hour, three-hour window, there's bang, 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 back-to-back, amazing performances, constant action. You just imagine trying to do that. So if World Chance was somehow condensed into a three-day or four-day meet, it would just be the craziest thing ever. And obviously, there's reasons they don't do that. Um, so that would probably be my one frustration is when I would go to the track, it'd be just for like one event, you know, it's, it's, it's not like I'm going to watch all these heats and all that. Like I, I was going to say, watch Joe run in the 10 K or whatever, but when you're actually there and the action is happening, it was pretty amazing. And there were so many great fans out there. 
shout out to all the coffee club fans that yeah. got a sticker and they came and got a picture and stuff. It was really, you could tell you were in track town USA not to be too cliched and that all the people that were like massive track fans were out there. So yeah. being a part of that was pretty sweet. I think we didn't get to partake in like too much extra stuff, but it looks like there's a lot of cool stuff happening there with the new generation guys and all that. Obviously that's their backyard. So they're, doing they're a great job. taking advantage of that. Uh, will this have a make a difference on the popularity of this sport in america i'd say probably not Definitely not. <laughs> i just i i think the breaking through if you want to break through in that way i think you have to set it up differently i think yeah bigger changes have to happen i mean maybe it will have some impact but i yeah. don't know i i definitely agree like i think i went in a bit pessimistic um but when i went out and like saw that the, the, the stadiums were never full yeah. which if you look at no offense to, to Eugene. If you look at London, they were full and they were bigger stadiums. So is it the access to Eugene? Probably. Is it the access to expenses with like accommodation and flights? Probably. But people turned up. There was a lot of people there and a lot of people had signs. There were like there were massive roars for every individual, including like a lot of big cheers for the Americans, which is fantastic. This is why you have those home uh, championships. That's why you put so much emphasis and money into it. You want your american team to get that response and it it was it was great i thought in that regard but i agree the spacing out of the meet it just you lose interest like the 100 meter final was like the first section of a few days into the championship it was on day two i think day two is that like day two or day three day three yeah so like the 100 final is done and that's one of the biggest events of the meet and then you have so many more races so many more athletes waiting and waiting waiting and the problem with that is i think people start to lose a bit of interest um I mean, not true yeah, track fans, but like if you're trying to gauge in the population, particularly the, the nation of the United States of America, um, you, you need you need to keep it. Yeah, you got Yeah, like, if you're trying to sell it as a product of in, pure entertainment, like pure entertainment. That's if that's the aspect that you're looking at it from. It's still there are definitely some changes. Was was it pretty when you were on the track? Was the crowd? pretty loud pretty yeah. pretty cool vibes and all that i have to be honest not as loud as Oslo, really <laughs> which is obvious um but it was loud it was it was great i mean i i thought the environment was great um it did it did honestly feel like in call room and in general because i'd raced there a lot through my college career and professional career yeah we're, it just we're felt the same way more just, way more chill than probably yeah it felt any the other same world there was no obviously you have the the feeling of it being world champs but you're so familiar with the place it was just very different just felt like um, world champs, you know. Yeah. It, it just felt like Haywood Haywood race, but um, I thought they did a great job. Um, the media, I thought was fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's just hard. Like you're trying to, what's Lord Coe said about trying to get the American fan base coming in. They, I just don't think they're going to achieve that at all with the way it was run. Yeah. Because it's just no different, and like the people that attract fans in the US will be there. But yeah, if you're trying to engage a whole audience about like a world championship of this sport, they didn't like change much or create yeah. an environment. Well, it was, yeah, I don't even know. Because it was, you saw on, uh, there was, this is a relatively dead time for sports, but I there was the, the open, like the golf tournament was on, and that was getting, for a general population, like on the papers and stuff, that was getting a lot more attention. And that was overlapping yeah. with like when you were racing. So that was like the 100 meters and like, some real big stuff so still a long way to go obviously golf is massive so golf that's, is that's yeah, a and tough competitor but very tough competitor but um you know hopefully like 
they learn a lot. Well, I guess, yeah, hopefully, they've been doing this for so long. Maybe they'll take away a lot of lessons from this this meet and uh, we'll be able to kind of cultivate much more of a track um, basis on, I don't know, just getting the sport more exciting about it. Yeah, well, I think we'll we'll bring Mummy in there. We'll bring Mummy bring, bring, McDonald? Yeah. All right, and we are back from our break with our big star guest on today, Florin, all the way from Australia, going on the coffee club expenses. <laughs> uh, we, That's good. Yeah, I didn't know rolls. that. Thank you. <laughs> Surprise, I paid for your trip. Psych. Uh, but yeah, this is my mother. She created me and did all that stuff. Her name is Adrienne Torta. We call her AD. Mom, how you doing? Hi, hi. Uh, my pleasure to be here. Thanks, boys. Um, I'm doing just fine. It's very warm here as opposed to where I'm living, which is very wet and cold at the moment. Yeah, mum's been out here getting a little altitude training in. She's been crushing it. She did. How far did you go this morning? Not very far. Really? I, well, not as far as I wanted to. But yesterday I did a, my first hard workout in a couple of weeks. So I was a bit sore today. And you threw up at the end of it, didn't you? I threw up a little bit yesterday, yes. It's a great workout. Mm-hmm. Love to hear it. That's good for the sport. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just, you know, we had Kate the Great on, obviously. We'll try to get George's mum... Uh, the beautiful Josie on as well just doing you know the mothers of coffee club just so you guys can see how we came to be but why we are the way we are yeah so we can blame them for all our problems our deep-seated issues that we get out on the podcast you guys can probably tell we got a lot of those but yeah we don't really have a structure to this like we didn't really for Ollie's mother either but I think um Ollie do you want to ask my mom any any questions I do anything embarrassing firstly I would like to let's let's introduce your audience to. Uh, so, what do you what do you do? Okay, so I'm a doctor. I'm actually an infectious diseases doctor. So I've been a bit busy during COVID, but I've transitioned in my role to an academic. So I now she work solved in COVID. A, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> she, she solved it. She got the cure. <laughs> but every time there is a cure, I I roll my eyes and go, no, that's not the cure. Um, I work in a university. I work in a faculty of medicine and health, where I'm the head of a big clinical school. So pretty impressive. Um, so my first question is Morgan. So he went into so how how does it come for Morgan to be who he is with with running and with his personality and is there anything yep. any any kind of deep dive into the Morgan McDonald that people don't know but also we need we need, we need a bit of dirt I think as well if yeah. you have any funny stories of Morgan <laughs> no growing good. up. Um, tell but, us about him growing up and and his how how he's transitioned into running. Okay, so Morgan's one of four children and he basically cried for the first 11 months of his life (laughs) until he was able to get up and start walking and running and then he was suddenly happy. And we should have realised then that that maybe that was a sign, but we didn't. Um, But he was pretty active and he actually started with soccer and played soccer at a high level. And one day out at New South Wales soccer, they were doing the beep test where they basically test how you know it's a vo2 max kind of surrogate and all the other children had kind of left and sat down and the guys running it just kind of watched morgan running up and down and up and down for about 10 extra minutes and he got to a level that basically cadell evans you know cyclists had got to and they went he's going to be a good cross-country runner and so then we went maybe he should do cross-country as well as soccer oh there you go so that's that's where it came from it was the beep test and cadell evans um, was shaking in his boots because Morgan was starting to come mm. up on him. Um, so obviously, I mean, I know personally, but I'm sure a lot of people do too, that like Morgan was uh, quite dangerous on the cross-country courses growing up. Um, how was that like for you as, as a parent? Because like, he, 
I mean, I think he won a lot of national titles. How, as a as a mother, do you like keep him interested in the sport? Like he's not getting bored from just winning, but also how keep him like less pressure on him? Like, did you have any role to play in kind of his journey with that? Because he was quite successful um, straight away. Yeah, I think we were the opposite of pushy parents. Um, I mean, we love sport, but we'd always been very average at it. Well. I should say. I, I was going to say, you're pretty good at running as well, from what I've seen. <laughs> well, I only started after Morgan started, so I didn't know back then. And his father was a junior Australian kayaking champion, so he did have um, a bit of a good ticker. But yeah. we weren't just into running, and I agree with you that running can be a difficult sport for a teenager because yeah. it's always hard. Yeah, and it's, it's super boring. And it's super boring. <laughs> so, you know, he did do soccer for a long time, which was much more of a fun team sport. He also did dance. He loved whoa, doing dance, whoa, whoa, and whoa. if you look really hard, you can probably still find some YouTube videos <laughs> yeah, of him yeah. shuffling and doing sea walking. Sea walking. So you you like those videos? Do you watch them a lot? Or? I do. Yeah. I do. I, I like can... them as well. I think they're, they're <laughs> amazing talent, hidden gems uh, of, of Morgan's background. If you, if you, I will say, I have kept those a secret for most of the world. But if you do want to find them, YouTube. My name was Makazi. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's Mikazi it. thirteen. Yeah, Mac is one three one three is my is my original YouTube account. Makazi Seawalk. If you search that, you might find some some little gems hidden on YouTube you from not, from back in the day. You would not be disappointed. I'm just <laughs> saying that to fans of Morgan, you will not be disappointed. But I, I look at them and I'm surprised I let him just go out there and dance on the street when yeah, he was like twelve. Um, he could have got run over at any time. But anyway, they're quite cute. I thought they were adorable, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like. His success, and he played rep soccer. Yep. Um, he went to the, it's not as good as Trinity, but he went to Newington, um, which is a brother school Trinity. Yep. We, we went through this uh, with my yep. mum. But what was his journey to that? Because he was at Rose Bay. No, Randwick. 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 my primary school. You were at Randwick Primary School. Yeah. And uh, he went from there to, to, to a very, very, I would say, very nurturing and very competitive environment to Newington. Um, how do you think that? As a like, because I as my my mom was very very proud of Newington and, and what the development was. Were you the same with with Newington and Morgan? Kind of his journey with them. Yep. Well, even before that, like it really wasn't on our radar initially, and we weren't sure where he was going to go to school. We even looked at some sports schools, and one of the ones we looked at, they they said, look his soccer is great but we actually would like him for his running yeah. and Morgan said to them do you study Shakespeare here and they said no and that doesn't so he, sound like me <laughs> he, he was quite intellectual as a 12 year old oh, yeah. um, and then uh, Newington actually had this combined scholarship that had sport leadership and academics and so that kind of suited him and he decided to go there and they're what we call a GPS school or a greater public school so they had like I think 12 schools or oh, something like that that were in less. yeah but, but yeah it's a good conference of yeah. schools and they have like a lot of sport a yeah. lot of good athletes are yeah. on scholarships yeah. at different schools for example rugby would be the biggest most yeah. prestigious but a sport like rowing all those types of sports so are really big at these schools yeah. and he was just lucky in his age group there were a couple of national champions yeah. every weekend that he'd run against in cross country he never really did track until his latter years there okay. and he only ever did track as part of the um, GPS athletics season yeah. because we failed miserably at um, little athletics it was far too labour intensive for us with four kids we just couldn't organise ourselves yeah. and the one time he did an 800 metres there he won it but got disqualified because he didn't know how to do it and he came out of his lane mm. too early. This is true, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, I did one season of the athletics, made it to maybe it was the regional carnival and then 
I think I cut in too early. Yep, you DQ, got disqualified. Sent home, devastated. <laughs> well, that's that was the end of Morgan McDonald's 800 career, but his career still lived on, um, yeah. and he was very successful. He was someone that I definitely looked up to as a, as a runner um, in the sport. When he was making that transition to college, how did that conversation go about with... Because obviously there's um, a lot of thought going into... Because he was one of the, for me... Probably mm. the first ones to kind of... I mean, there was obviously a scattering of others. They've already been over there. But he was the first one for me that kind of started this big downpour yeah. of yeah. Aussies going over. What was the conversation between your family and, and Morgan about that decision moving forward? I think, you know, we we looked at the US system and saw it as being a really good transition between being a junior athlete to a senior athlete. And it was something that they did much better over here than we perhaps had avenues for in Australia, where students who went to university basically had to juggle their um, sport and their academics and it was quite tricky for them so he was interested in in that transition and we came over here and we met a few schools and he was immediately taken both with the athletes who looked after him really well at Wisconsin as well as the coaches yeah no I, I had the same feeling as well with Morgan was <laughs> was already there and he was it was quite a cool feeling Wisconsin definitely offered uh that great vibe that you kind of want to get out of the college system. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, because you have three other lovely children, mm-hmm. um, but then Morgan leaving to, to college, was that difficult for you, for you guys? Like, <laughs> did you guys find that very, like, tough? Or you are like, this is easy, he's out of our hands, we don't have to worry about him anymore, no more crying, um, <laughs> we, can, we can move on. Like, how was that for you as a mum, like, yeah. letting him go to a different country to do, like, pretty much everything? I'm, I've got to say that thanks to New South Wales soccer, when we'd been on tour with them, they'd always said, parents, you can come, not come, but you're not to interfere with what your kids do. They have to get themselves organised, dressed, packed every single day. So he was very independent from doing a couple of tours with soccer. And he actually came over for World Junior Championships, which were in Eugene, and we just left him here. <laughs> um, I think that was maybe three or six weeks before college started. Yeah, it was a good month or so. Yeah, and he was really lucky in that the people um, in Wisconsin were, well, there were a couple of people who just said, he can come and stay with us. So he went and stayed on... Uh, stayed at the farm. At the farm. With Tyson Mihi, my, my freshman year roommate. Yep, Tyson's been a guest on the podcast, so you've all met him. Um, so they were just the most lovely family. I think you probably had to help with the farm work, did you? I, I did. There was, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a couple of incidents there which maybe worried, worried you guys a little bit. I Oh yeah, he did manage to get a really bad cut to his face within the first week of being here that we almost had to organise a plastic surgeon to fix up, but you can't see it now. You've healed yeah. well. You guys were probably pretty concerned when I said I shot myself. I don't know how I said it to you, but yeah, I, I scoped he, he, myself he, in the face with a shotgun. Yeah. Which was, which was a very, very funny time. Yeah. <laughs> First and last time I think he's ever been allowed yeah. to touch anything uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no more guns for Morgan. Mm-mm. Yeah, and then um, he lived in at college yeah, with we went Tyson. Into, went into roommate. the dorms with Tyson, yep. Yeah, the transition was easy, to be honest. And he actually left us without, I think, being too homesick at all. <laughs> yeah, I was very lucky to have a lot of really good people around me. It was very fun my class at Wisconsin because there were so many of us and being a, you know how it is being a college kid there's a lot going on so yeah I was very lucky to ha- be having such a great time in Wisconsin that it made it a lot easier yeah and he moved into the house that you ended up moving into and yep. you know nobody's ever looked back from that no no definitely not and uh it was great to get to know you through college and I felt like I had another mum coming in which was fantastic um but 
I think as well now moving for Morgan had a very very successful last year uh, in the NCAA and he was looking at going professional um, were you ever considering that he would come home or did you think he's going to stay over there like because like, he obviously I, I know from Morgan's fact that he wanted to be a doctor um, and you know like professional running is, is going to get in the way of that obviously because you like well, people, people try and do it but when you're focusing on something like this where you only get certain limited time um, it's very very tough to be mm-hmm. able to, to put in the amount of effort you have to put in to be a doctor as well as a an Olympian and, and professional athlete so did he ever did you ever think he was coming home did you ever have any interaction with him about what he was going to do next or was he kind of like Morgan's doing Morgan no I think we've always been the kind of parents that let their kids do their own thing and pursue their own passions mm. and particularly with something like running you've got to go while you can because it's yeah. not going to be around forever yeah. and so long as he can be fit and, and the community is really I think it's such a healthy community you look after each other both physically and mentally and um, so I don't think he's ever been anything but very happy with his choices. Would that be accurate? Oh, I got some regrets. You got some regrets? Tell no, us I'm about your kidding. regrets. No, I, I don't have Should any regrets. Should we deep dive? I've, uh, <laughs> 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 I don't know if we got enough time on here today. But <laughs> no, nah, I think both at Wisconsin and being a pro, I don't know. There's not much that compares to just following your dreams. Not many people get to do that. So, <laughs> so no complaints it's a, here. It's a big privilege. <laughs> okay, moving away from that. Let's talk about your love for running and how you <laughs> fell into it and, and your achievements in running because I know there are there are a lot there and you've been running quite a bit. When did you first kind of uh, start doing it? So as I said, you know, we we joined um, a local club, Ramwick Botany, as I think you were Ramwick. No, I was Sutherland. Yeah. Sutherland. We're, we're enemies to Ramwick. Oh, we enemies, like, sorry. We hate but, each other. But there, yeah, was, there was really good Saturday morning yeah. cross-country um, runs and so rather than standing there doing nothing, I went, okay, I'll just jump in. And then I started training with a group that were raising money to um, do research into cancer called Can2. And I trained with them and met some really good friends. And then we just continued training, joined, um, trained with Sweat for a while, as did you. And then we started, um, we joined Run Crew and I started training with the coach who I currently train with. Shout out to Tiger. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I know his sons watch this. Do they really? (laughs) Yeah, they do. This is not age appropriate for them. Yeah, I was going to say, how old are they? I don't know. But yeah, yeah, so like, I mean, Run Crew is massive now, right? Like, Mm. um, and then. Well, that's the way it is in Australia for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, this probably does exist in different forms here in America, but you don't see it as much compared to where we come from, where yeah. it's such a community thing. You have, you know, people like my mom who fall in love with running because of running, but also maybe more so because of all the people and just the fun yeah. times, the trips you get to go on everyone. So we have a training squad, which I think this is the part which people in America might not understand is that I would train in the same, and Ollie as well, we would train in the same squad that my mom would train in. So we we would be at sessions together and, you know, it would get up to, what what was the biggest they get up to? Did they get up to 100 people? Oh yeah, on a Saturday morning, maybe not quite, but close to. And there'll be maybe four different, well, even more than four different sessions going concurrently because they've got a lot of juniors. They've got, you know, junior girls, junior boys. They've got distance. They've got 800 meter runners. Yeah. There's like there's a lot of joggers. different stuff happening, but yeah. at the end of the day, like we might be doing similar sessions together. Like it's pretty funny, and that's just the yes. way it is in Australia. And obviously, yeah, at the front, you have some really good guys yeah. who yeah. you know we trained with like when we were growing up. But then it's just a massive squad of people, so it's pretty yeah. cool. It's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. And um, 
you've been running some pretty amazing marathons. Uh, Just ran a mar- the Gold Coast Marathon, like, yeah. was that three weeks ago now, two weeks? Two weeks. And you broke your age group record? Only for New South Wales, so it's just a state oh, record. Not good enough. State record, yeah, state record. Not good enough. I wanted Got to break it by more, so I'm but, disappointed. Um, I'm disappointed with myself. <sighs> well, what time did you, run? you can you can take that fuel and move it forward. That's <laughs> yeah. right. We can do it together. Yeah. Um, yeah. But w- what? Yeah. What time did you run? Three twelve. Three twelve. It's not bad. That's pretty good. I've never run a marathon. Quicker than I've run. Yeah, I've never. So, um, but yeah. So you've 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 loved the sport. You're in the groups and and yep. enjoying that community. Do people? come up to you and say oh you're Morgan's mum and they try and talk to you about college and try and yep. talk to you about getting pro like how do you uh, yeah. like because obviously like that's that's a lot of stuff going on yep. um, are you used to it now like because it probably happened a lot it happens a lot more as you said after Morgan came over here a lot more yeah final year students started thinking about coming to the states and so um, a lot more queries come through and because in our squad there's a whole lot of juniors as well and it is a big big move for students um, for any young person to commit to traveling halfway across the world for university so it's and it's very different Um, like I said the whole moving away from home thing that happens here in the states at home in Australia most students if they're going to to university in the same town would actually live at home whereas so the whole culture is very different we live in a big city yeah Yeah, my brother doesn't leave home yeah so he didn't do that he's still at home yeah yeah so yeah. Well, uh, what what goals do you have for your marathon? Because yeah. I, I would like to know so, and and our fans do too, because they can keep yep. up to date with okay. it. What, what's the what's the plan moving forward? Okay. So, um, yeah, I ran the Gold Coast Marathon, and I got cramps uh, in my calves, first time ever, to the point where you know the whole calf seized up, and the foot was pointed, and I had to stop and stretch it out. So I was hoping to do uh, a sub three ten. That's the kind of shape I was in. And now I've just got to get back to that shape yeah. and, and keep plugging away. There's another marathon in about six weeks. Should be a bit cooler. And so I'm hoping to do a sub 310. Just putting it out there as a goal. That's a good goal. This. Coffee club. Uh, uh, you're world. part of the coffee club track club now. So break my own record. And if you break that record, coffee club will be, uh, will be there to support and endorse Thanks. you uh, <laughs> with all that success. Um, another question I had as well, which I think is interesting. Morgan hadn't been home for a very long time. Mm. I think about three years, right? S- Counting. Still hasn't, yes. Yeah. Two so, and a half at least. And a lot had happened in that time. I mean, he's run at World Championships before, um, but the Olympics was such a big goal. It's a big goal for everyone. Yeah. And parents can get stressed about it and it can get very overwhelming. I know my parents, they, they definitely did. I don't know if all our parents would be the same. You guys mm. might be much more chill. But through that experience from Morgan and what he had to go through, particularly with the resilience he, he dealt with, um, what was the reaction like when you when you guys finally found out? Because you couldn't go and hug him, you couldn't oh, like. Yeah. How how was that? Because <laughs> yeah. like it, it is a d- difficult time because that doesn't usually happen. Most people like most Americans that go and compete, they they get the top three spot. Their parents are right there, they celebrate and they have that moment. Whereas yeah. you didn't have that with your son. And um, having a son that's an Olympian is a is a very unique thing. And and it's like how how was that reaction? And and what is it like now? I guess dealing with that because you didn't really have that moment. Yeah, well, like your mum said, it's really hard not being able to be there and share that. Yeah. Like, you, you, just having a child go to the Olympics is something you never expect to happen. So you really want to be able to share it. I'm really happy that I was able to share a lot of his NCAA yeah. uh, top experiences. I know they're not Olympics, but... Oh, they're pretty, pretty freaking you know, high, you know. I yeah. think the cross-country win and the five... That was awesome. You yeah. know, then um, the 5K win as well. Um, but we've been to World... Um, 
athletics a couple of times. And then last year, I think the thing was that when he ran, we saw that he was a little bit injured and in a lot of pain. And I think, as you know, if you have a result that's not what you want, it's almost more important to be there. And we would have loved to have been there because we know how sad he would have felt afterwards about having an injury and the frustration and the annoyance that that brings. But as you say, probably he's developed more re- resilience not having us there. He's lucky he's got you. Well, that was, I mean, that was the one thing that I think about a lot because, I mean, not to make this sappy, but our yeah, parents do a lot for us. And um, I know you've done a lot, you, you and Rob have done a lot for, um, for Morgan to get him here. And so have my parents to so like, to be able to have that pay off and, to have your son competing at the Olympic Games is such an amazing, I can imagine an amazing feeling as a parent yeah. um, to deal with and not to have that interaction with them, not to be able to go. It, would, it must have been extremely tough, but I mean, yeah, I was lucky that more, with Morgan having him around and he was, I think, hopefully lucky to have me around uh, during that point of our career because it was a very different and unique time with, with the Olympics. But luckily, we're both pretty young. We hopefully mm-hmm. have a lot more uh, to give. You know, Paris is in two years. So we're planning for Paris. You guys planning to be there? Yeah, um, yep. and, and Budapest, we're planning to be there as well. Awesome, awesome. Hopefully so there. there we go. So if you guys... You be there. <laughs> hopefully I'll be there this <laughs> we time. We don't want to be there without you. I wasn't at, uh, competing in Eugene this time. So yeah, so hopefully, hopefully you guys... Back. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be around and, and be able to support him. But um, hey, that we was... Gotta, yeah, we've got to ask some... Uh, some crazy, cra- some crazy questions now. Okay, now, now for Morgan to take it off. Well, some. I don't really have any questions. I mean, I was just thinking of some. Would you like three fun facts about Morgan? I'd love that. Actually, I would like three Morgan, fun facts about myself. People find Morgan hard to read. Okay, I so. find. Yep. Okay, fun facts. Okay, I've got one. He got the university medal in physics. No, the uh, school medal. That's, school, that's school, school, medal. school medal. That's, that's not a fun fact. That's a boring that's fact. That's, that's a, hilarious. That's a, that's a fun fact. I think that's. He doesn't come across as somebody who'd be amazing at physics, does he? I thought he? it was more maths and finance <laughs> yeah. stuff. Well, that's, that's the same, same realm. I don't know. Um, he so. plays sport left-handed, left-handed, left-footed, uh, so golf. No, that's also not true. What? You're I play, goofy. I, you're, no, you're yeah. left-handed with golf. I I, I'm, I'm, right, I'm right-footed, so I'm right-footed, but I do... Yeah, stance like stance sports like golf or snowboarding. I do left-footed or goofy. Left-footed, yeah. yeah so goofy. he's goofy. He's like and me. Also yeah. a pretty boring fact, but yeah. Um. Okay. Fun fact. Okay. He's an experiential learner. Yeah. When he, when he was little, we'd say, "Don't jump off that, or you'll break your leg." And he like at <sighs> literally at Bronte playthings, we said that to him. He jumped off. He broke his leg. He got a um a fracture of his fibula. We said, "Don't pick up that bull ant. It'll bite you." He picked it up and it bit him, and his hands went up. And we used to say don't eat paper you'll have problems so he kept eating eating it and one christmas he ended up in hospital because he swallowed a staple <laughs> yeah okay did. let me i'm just writing Wait, this down do you, do you remember that these are actually yeah now they'll come back to me do you remember that one time we were in a hotel room and i put the icy hot on my balls <laughs> to see what i felt like do you guys remember that and then i had to go in the shower and put them on cold because it's burning so bad yeah it was um, like so the denker rub the hot one i put it yeah. on there and it really hurt that's yeah. just don't do that so yeah don't, say, don't do that that's why i did people it. will probably not listen to you telling them not do it because not, we used to say don't do it and, and you then, wouldn't listen you, you, you had to experience but I did it. it so they don't have to do it Maybe it was a service. So you've done. So you've actually like you've been the guy that we should thank for doing all the dumb exactly. things that yep. we don't have to do. We exactly. Know from experience. There's there's well, one. We more, thank you for that, Morgs. <laughs> thanks for your service. There's one more story that came to mind out of ex- 
I don't. It's kind of similar. Do you guys remember that time that we were waiting for a this, ferry? This is a bad parent story more than a yeah, crazy I'm Morgan you now. story. <laughs> Do you remember um, this one, Dad? Yeah. So we were standing with a group of our friends. I think from his soccer team. End of end of season lunch out on a little island in our harbour, and we're all about to get onto a boat. So we're all standing there, waiting for the on boat the, to come the in, and then. Morgan kind of tugged at our shirts or something and we looked behind and he's standing there. He would have been maybe 10 or something. Something like that. Or actually eight, completely wet. And we're like, what happened? What had happened is he'd actually fallen off. I, I was trying to jump between two, the pier? two yeah, wooden parts. And he'd missed and fallen into and the harbour. The <laughs> and we hadn't noticed because, you know, when you drown, it's kind of quiet. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, he hadn't drowned and he'd swum his way back to somewhere on the pier, climbed his way back up. And, and I just turned up behind him, just fully wet, but in, my, is, in my clothes. Yeah, this is a bad parent story. I love, I love, that, I love that quote. You know, we're drowning. You can't, you can't, there's no noise. You can't right. hear anything. Oh, we felt so bad. Uh, that's hilarious. Well, that, that is a good story. So yeah, we've got to keep a, keep an eye on your children if there yeah. are any parents watching this, which I doubt. Yeah. Um, hey, well, no, we definitely so, have parents so, watching this. Other than running, what do you think Morgan's going to do with his career? What, what, what's your, what's your, like. Pro swimmer? Pro swimmer? Yeah, I, I swimmer. I'm the worst. I was the, the one. the worst swimmer. Yeah, when all my siblings, we would all do swim school, I would just stay in the same group and everyone else would move up. I'm really bad at swimming. He's really bad at swimming. He I doesn't know, know how to breathe. Yeah. He doesn't um, have a bubble arm. No, he has none. What's a bubble arm? Bubble arm is like the arm like you breathe on. Oh, yeah, don't and, have one. And of those. one other fun, fun, funny story. He's a great dancer. And he was in the choir in primary school, and the choir teacher asked him if he could lip sync rather than sing. It did happen because yeah. we were doing an audi- audition. So he's tape. not we a great singer. We might have singer. told that story on the show before. I'm not sure, but yeah, we yeah. were doing an audition tape, and I was so bad that I had to lip sync. <laughs> it's pretty brutal because I, I, you know, it's a brutal thing for a teacher to tell I would a, love to an eight-year-old. But oh, yeah, I would too, honestly. I'd love you to be not, a good singer. <laughs> um, not my destiny. It's just, yeah. Well, yeah. What, what's the magic? Like the magic ball? Like, what do you think Morgan will do in his, his future? Look, you know, in, you know, incredibly talented, can do no, anything he sets no. his do you mind he could to. Run a cult? I yeah. think a cult leader is probably yeah, on the cards. I think cult, I mean, coffee club is kind of like we're starting on our, to be we're on our way there. Mm. Yeah. Just do yeah. some more weird stuff. We could worship Gus. I mean, uh, as you said, that already happened. So, and and, and and this makes this clear so everyone knows. Morgan is a middle child. Is that correct? So he's got an older sister, twenty months older, and then after him, twenty months later, come twins. twins. So essentially, middle child. Because the twins, yeah, obviously, it's not. They're, they're not a package. They're both individuals, but they're kind <laughs> of like a package. You know, like Morgan yeah, is kind of like. Did Morgan have any middle child traits growing up? What is a middle? What is a middle child? They like have to make themselves known. Oh, attention-seeking. Yeah, yeah they have to make themselves known. Because I, I just I don't feel like he's like that sort of person. Morgan's like in the corner just staring. Uh, so I was at one point. Morgan always took up about 80% of our parenting. <laughs> and the <laughs> other 20% was distributed between the other three children. Uh-huh. Um, the twins had to learn to do everything for themselves, like put themselves do, to... Do they work to together? Well, um, yeah, Very they do. <laughs> but they Very became good really good babies because we could never get to them until we'd made sure Morgan was safe and looked after. Because, like I say, he's only 20 months old when they were born. So by the time I'd got him settled and either in a safe spot so I could go and look after them, they'd put themselves back to sleep. So they were really easy. And our first child, she was just a dream child as well. So, so. She's, she's the golden child? Yeah. Well, they're all golden. Uh, no. That's nice. Yeah. Well, I'm still high maintenance, so that checks out. <laughs> yeah. True. I mean, like, I mean, I'm. I feel like I'm kind of now the. 
I don't know, the punch, punching bag the right term? What would be the, like, assistant? I don't know. Well, for yourself? No, for you. Oh, for me? You muppet. What do you mean? <laughs> like, I look after you. Oh, yeah. Ollie, Ollie In some ways, like, yeah, yeah. passively. We're happy to pass that baton on. Yeah, Ollie. I passively look after him. Like, I make sure that, like, in the morning, he has his space. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His he's, routine, yeah. he's not a morning person. No, well, he has his, he has his system. He, uh, it, it, do you, like, ever, did you ever experience this at home? Like, Morgan will, like, be in his own situa- like, situation. If he gets disrupted, it ruins Ollie, the whole day. Ollie, he, he moved out of home at 17. So, so, so you didn't really experience <laughs> get out I guess I experienced that now, so that was <laughs> yeah. a, I just think I can tell you guys. But, but we're um, still very close. I mean, yeah. we speak all the time, as yeah. you know. So um, you luckily get to um, experience that for yeah. us. Yeah, no, I, I, I look, I, I the pass the baton and I'm making sure he's, he's not, jumping, well. not jumping off wharfs. Oh, he's uh, my primary caregiver. Yeah. <laughs> it's working yeah. out really well. Is there anything else you'd like to chat about in the pod? No, look, I just think, um, you know. Do you, you condone the pod? What? Do you condone it or do you... Do you oh, I think it's fantastic. Oh, and I think Thanks, just Mom. being here for two weeks, we've got to meet random people who have come up and said, oh, I'm a huge fan of the pod. You know, at the coffee shop the other day and at the track today. So I think you're having a good impact on the sport. Definitely good for the sport. Definitely oh. good for sport. There we go. Look at that. Thanks, you heard it here first. That's going to be my ringtone. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like that was a, a nice little talk. Thank you very much for coming on, Mum. Thank we, you very much. We My appreciate having you here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can leave whenever you want. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go. You guys are doing fantastic. Oh, uh, we're actually about to end it anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a slightly shorter one today, but um, we'll be back in full force next week. But, yeah, episode 44, I think that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll uh, see you guys next week. See you next week.